You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. It may be hard for you to understand this right now, but I'll say it anyway. Jesus wasn't actually talking about this past week's election results. (laughs) Jesus is warning his first century saints. Uh, Jesus warned them to flee from Jerusalem before it was leveled by the Romans, and you know this, in the year 70. Just as Daniel had promised, the Gentiles' pagan worship desecrated the temple, which means that the God-pleasing sacrifices ceased and they were replaced by worship to the demons that had subdued the nations in unbelief. Now, this happened twice. It happened first uh, uh, when Antiochus uh, Epiphanes Uh, put his own image or the image of Zeus up in the temple in the year 323 B.C. Uh, But at the same time, even though the godly sacrifices stopped for a little while, they came back. But it wasn't so after the the Romans marched their banners, their eagles, their idols, and the images of their emperor into the temple. At that time, Jesus says, his saints had to flee lest they get swept up in destruction. Jesus says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Jesus, your Lord, is merciful. For the elect, that is, for you, who would be baptized, who would repent, who would hear the gospel in faith. The Lord withdrew the hand of his anger. He stayed his wrath. Jesus tells us that so great was the wrath that overtook Jerusalem in those days that if he had not taken his hand back, the destruction would have consumed the entire world. Now, we hear about this on the 10th Sunday after the Feast of Holy Trinity. Um, And so we'll spend, actually, the rest of our time this morning meditating upon the particular temptations that threaten us, the Christians, who live in this season and this time of the Lord's grace and His mercy. Those of us who await the Lord's coming at any, any moment. This is the season of God's mercy. What that means is that with every passing moment, this is yet another moment that God uh, is keeping His judgment against unbelief, against sin, against the devil. He's keeping it all at bay. What it also means is that Jesus' preaching and His baptism and His supper, all of these things continue to have an opportunity to break apart the devil's kingdom. The kingdom that's trapped in unbelief and in death. But Jesus says that that this time for the gospel to be preached, it, it's not going to last forever. Um, and nor will the devil go down without a fight. And this is why Jesus tells us to stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. Part of our watchfulness 
uh, is understanding how our faith is attacked in this world by those things like the devil and the world and our flesh who do not hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. We are stewards and defenders of God's treasures in this world. Now, when Jesus comes back in glory, we're not to be found empty-handed. Now, I know for a lot of people, when they hear Jesus talk about the parable of the talents, right, they, they assume that the talents will be something like, oh, I don't know, they're amassed good works or something like that. But no, I think that the treasures, the real treasures of the church that Jesus leaves with us, that he will expect to find when he comes back, These are the treasures of the gospel, of baptism, the Lord's Supper, His grace, His love, His mercy. When Jesus comes back in glory, what matters is whether or not we are hanging on to these treasures. There are two dangers that threaten to take these things away from us, and they are the false Christs and the false prophets. Jesus says, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there He is, do not believe it. Now, Jesus isn't talking about some outside possibility. As if, you know, it might happen that there will be a false Christ eventually who will try to lead people away from me. Or that there might be false prophets. Uh, he, He explains this as if it's just sort of the reality of this sinful and fallen world. It's something with which we're all too familiar What are false Christs? Uh, I think that the false Christs are anything or anyone who presumes to be our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer apart from Jesus. There are those things that entice our faith away from Jesus and the confidence and and the comfort that we find in Jesus they would take away. St. John writes, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. These antichrists, these replacement saviors, lords, and redeemers, St. John tells us that we can identify them very specifically. They deny that Jesus is the Christ, that He is Lord, that He saves you from your sins. They also deny that Uh, They also deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They attack and they deny the very idea that, that God is who He says He is, that He is one God in three persons, that there is a Father and a Son and the Holy Ghost and yet one God. What this means is that Antichrist in the end and the ideologies that they espouse, they cannot say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one can come to the Father except through Him. And you saints, you know this, how most of the world is caught up in these denials. And most of the world holds it against you. That you confess and that you believe that Jesus is in fact the Son of God. That He is the only way that you can come to the Father. That you can escape the judgment against sin and, and, the, and, the, destruction of, uh, and the destruction of death. Now the world will come to you and they will say, what about, what about inclusivity? Now, they'll say, according to the catechism that I have, Jesus is but one path among many. 
Jesus may have resembled a son of God. But isn't it arrogant to claim that he, this one man, is really God in the flesh? Yet Jesus makes himself equal to God by his own words. By saying, I and the Father are one. St. John also says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, and those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. To deny that Jesus came in the flesh is to deny that Jesus has redeemed you with his blood by shedding it on a real cross. That is, he has a real resurrection. In fact, what St. John is talking about is that, that this attack of the Antichrist is to rob you of your salvation. It asks the question, was God made man and born of the virgin? According to my reason, according to what I know, that seems impossible. Doesn't it make more sense to say that the gospel is but, you know, just another story, a religious story, some kind of myth to move us to do nice things for other people? How can this God-man's blood redeem sinners to God? It seems so crude, so primal. And yet Jesus says, according to his own words, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I could spend the rest of this time talking about all of the different false Christs that are vying for your attention, but I think that it's enough for you, dear saints, to know this. When you hear about all of these promises from spiritual people, all of these promises of happiness and of peace, ask yourself this one question. What do they say about Jesus? Will they admit that he is God's son? Will they say that he is God in the flesh? Do they tell you that that he gave his own body into death to save sinners of whom you are the worst? The experts, the gurus, the motivational speakers, and the political leaders, they actually say the opposite. And so when you hear, here is a better Savior, a better Redeemer, a better Lord for you to believe in, do not believe it. Don't let the devil rob you of the comfort that you have in the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. Now, it would be enough if we had to just, you know, contend against the false Christs. But in fact, these false Christs accumulate for themselves and they gather around themselves a kind of church full of their own false prophets and preachers. There's a great example of this, actually, in the book of Acts in chapter 13. There's this guy named Bar-Jesus. And he opposed Paul and Barnabas, uh, who were preaching to the proconsul on Cyprus. And he, and he, and this false teacher sought to take, to rob this proconsul of his faith and what he had been hearing about Jesus from Paul. Paul preached a sermon against Bar-Jesus, and this is what he said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And that, in fact, identifies the false preaching of the false prophets. The law that levels down our pride, right? 
the law that accuses, that, that shows us to be the sinners who we truly are, uh, the false prophets would do something else with the law. They would, they would exalt you with it. They would make you great in the eyes of God according to the law and your works according to the law. You see? Instead of leveling down the high place of pride, they let it stand. And so also, for the gospel, these false prophets would tell you that the gospel, uh, that this is really just an example for you to follow. Do what Jesus did and you will be saved. That's what they'll say. And in that way, they take the, the, the depths of the valley of despair in which you find yourself, and they would keep it there, in, the, in a valley, you know. They would make it a place for you to climb out of, which is actually not the work of the gospel, which is to bring you up from the low places. And so when you hear teachings from the false prophets that rob the law of its true work, and that law rob the gospel of its true work of saving you, of comforting you, by no efforts of your own, do not believe it. Now, as if the false Christs and the false prophets weren't alluring enough for our flesh, uh, the devil accompanies their message, Jesus tells us, with great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now, let that sink in for a moment. Jesus isn't promising that where the truth of his word is preached, there will be great signs and wonders. Instead, what is he, where does he attach the signs and the wonders? He attaches it to the false teaching. Our flesh cannot hear this, no matter how many times Jesus may say it. We're tempted always to trust our eyes, to look for the miracles in this world, and then to say, that is where I need to put my fear, my love, and my trust. You know? And you guys can see plenty of examples of this. You know, for the charismatics out there, those people who would come to God apart from His Word, what do they love to do? They love to show how they are the people who are preaching the truth by what? The great healing ministries, right? The great miracles. They'll try to show you how they have saved people from sickness, how they have saved people even from death. For the Muslims, they, they insist that their prophet is the true prophet because of their great many military victories that they accomplished through their law and their Quran, you know. They'll point to the great numbers and their success. Even among those people who are scientific luminaries, who would mock your faith in a God, who is flesh, who dies for you, who rises for you, or who even made the world in six days, they would demand your allegiance because of the great works of technology, you know. See what our science has been able to do, the wonders and the signs that it can make. Put your trust here with us and what we say. Now the devil knows how much confidence we have in our eyes, and the testimony of our eyes. And he exploits that trust all the time. He wants us to judge between the doctrine of this church and the teachings from everywhere else in the world according to the signs that accompany it. But don't be deceived. St. Paul writes, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. When we're tempted by the miracles and the signs, it's good to remember a few things. First of all, that Jesus promised uh, signs and miracles to accompany 
the ministry of his apostles only, as we learn in Mark chapter 16. Second, St. Paul says that when the perfect teachings of the Scriptures come together, when we have the Holy Scriptures in their entirety, the signs will cease and there will remain but uh, faith, hope, and love. Now this begs a question. If I cannot trust in the signs, how am I to know the true Christ and the true prophets? Jesus says that even though signs and wonders and false teachers and false saviors will pass away, my word will not pass away. We have the scriptures. We have the preaching of the apostles, of Jesus, the prophets, and the evangelists. And it's enough. It's enough for our faith. And it's enough for our Christian life. It's all we'll ever need. St. Peter writes, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. How is the word of God confirmed among us? How is the preaching of Christ, the true Christ, and the true prophets confirmed among you? It's confirmed among you by faith. You know, the devil is such a great illusionist, right? He's such a great deceiver. That if we were left to the strength of our own flesh, we could never resist his signs and his wonders. But the Holy Spirit is present in the Word. His strength is there. And the faith that He creates there cannot easily be shaken. The Holy Spirit sets our hearts to be comforted by these precious words of Jesus, these words of comfort in the Scriptures. Now, dear saints, Jesus is coming quickly. He isn't coming secretly or only to the enlightened. In fact, Jesus says that his coming is going to be very public and very visible. For as the lightning comes from the, end, from, the, from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And in that moment, and even in this moment as we wait for him, we stay with Jesus where he is pleased to be with you. In his word, in his baptism, and even here at his supper. When the false prophets in Christ attack you, do not believe them. Stay with Jesus. And when Jesus comes again in glory, you will not be found empty-handed. But you will be found rich with the treasures of God's grace and His kindness and mercy. To God alone be the glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. 
Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.